Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to the show. It's your host, Matt Brawning. Super excited because we got Interview Fridays. You know Interview Fridays are awesome, and this is no exception. We have on the show um, someone who's become a very close friend of mine over the last years, um, has shared the stage with me many times, has been out to our events, knowing most of our students. And here's what we have, Laurel Langmeyer. Now, you've seen Laurel all over TV from CNN to CNBC. She's been on the street TV, Fox News, Fox Business Channel. She's been on the Dr. Phil show and The View. She is all over the place. She's got articles in USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Forbes Magazines. Um, and, of course, she was in the famous movie The Secret, as well as being a five-time New York Times bestselling author and the CEO and founder of Live Out Loud. Laurel, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm amazing. I'm amazing. Now, what's nice is we just finished recording your show, and so we've already been hanging out for half an hour, so let's just continue the conversation, exactly. shall we? <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. So you asked me a lot of questions about me. Now I get to turn the tables. I would love to know. Um, my biggest question I've always had about you is you've created a ton of success, a ton of wealth, strategies. You teach it. You got our private plane. You live in Lake Tahoe. You got the life. You have your amazing uh, Canadian husband. Like life is good, and uh, and we've we've heard about that. But my question is, how did you grow up? I never under I never heard that yet. Did you grow up like with money, without money? Were your parents there? Were, what was the, what's the, what's the, <laughs> this is a little coffee chat, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I grew up in farm in Nebraska. So in the southeast corner of Nebraska on a big family farm, generational. So it went from on my mom's side from one family to another family to another family. And uh, currently my mom still oversees it. And my brother, one of my brothers runs it. Really? So that's where we, you know, say what, where we go back to where we grew up. Um, that's where I would head back. And yeah, my mom and dad were, you know, typical farm family growing up in the, you know, 60s, 70s is when uh, all of us kids were born. So I have five, uh, was five of us, five, uh, one sister, three brothers. And, and, and we didn't grow up. I mean, where do you fit in on I'm five? the second oldest. Second I'm the second oldest. And what did, uh -huh. that create, what did that create for you, if anything? Like, what was the attitude coming out of the family? Did you say, um, I, I got to run the farm one day, or are you like, I got to get off this damn farm? Oh, I can't. No, I was, the, I, I'm the total, what I call black sheep of the family. Did everything to, <laughs> like, leave I, I graduated at 17 years old and everyone was like crying at graduation i'm like i'm getting in my little car and i'm leaving so and i my first my first job job that summer before i started college because I, I went to school and played some basketball too so i had to report to, to duty earlier so well most of that first summer i mean i didn't go too far but i did go to iowa right across you know and i actually oh, uh was i got iowa. my first line all the way but it was all by me like myself and blah 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 so got my little car after graduation and I ran a country club swimming pool. So <clears throat> I was a lifeguard most of my life growing up and taught swimming lessons. And, and so I just, I got this great little job at country club. And so I just moved my little self across state and I thought that was the coolest thing just to leave at 17 and uh, I've never been back. So it's not negative. It just wasn't my thing. My brothers always wanted to run it. So they do, they did. And the one still does. 
that wasn't my thing. I, I know at seven years old, I was like, this whole thing is odd. Everybody gets up, everybody works. There's a little, you know, saying in our family, if the animals don't eat, you don't eat. So we we're up at six feeding, you know, doing chores. You know, our, our days uh, began and ended with doing chores outside. I mean, rigorous, because we had every animal possible on a farm. We had pigs, cows, horses, goats, sheep, chickens, you name it. I mean, we had thousands of acres that we oversaw, and it was a hell of a lot of work. And that's what I learned about money, is you have to work your ass off for it, and you had to work, 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 work. And if that didn't work, then work harder. So it was it, it, it took a lot, and I don't think I really realized how much it took to detach that and shift that until my early 20s. So, right? When you went to the lifeguard in the pool area, quick, quick, do you remember how much you made per hour? You know, I don't. I'm going to guess it was probably around the 12 to 15, maybe an hour, maybe. But then I also did swimming, private swimming lessons, and I specialized in um, – wait, this is kind of funny. This is like nobody knows any of these parts of the story. And I specialized in – in Down syndrome. So I had some really, really great um, nurses and teachers um, through that, was it the end of high school? I don't remember, actually, I don't remember how I got into that, but I, I specialized in uh, handicapped you know, children. So I was flooded with business. And I did that all through college on and off, just in an extra way. A, I loved it. And, you know, I, it was better than getting a job. You know, and I just had to put an ad in the paper and, you know, I went to Lincoln, Nebraska and Omaha, Nebraska to school. And it wasn't difficult to keep a pretty full, you know, especially in the evening and or weekend. Um, I'm going to say practice, you know, when uh, teaching, you know, kids how to swim wow. no, um, that normally is, would never have gotten in the water. That, that's first off, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, to, I mean, what, what, <laughs> what a difference it's because, you know, to me, that's like picking a niche. But at the same time, having a massive impact and doing something you care about. I mean, I'm, I'm certain, I'm sure you had all sorts of stories and moments uh, with those kids that, that, you know, if yep. you look back, you wouldn't, you wouldn't trade, you know. Now, that was really like an enterprise. And no, it was. And I, that's, then I went off to school. See, that summer, also, sometime when I was 17, I don't remember exactly when, I was uh, at a Dennis Waitley seminar. It was the first time I knew there was this world of seminars and you know, what I call alternative education outside of the school system. And I fell in love with it like you did when you went to Tony, right? Yeah. And it was like, and uh, I got the book Think and Grow Rich. And that was it. That was like, I get it. Like, we're raised differently. We're taught differently. There's a different way. There's a way to make money. And then I got really, really, really curious. Like, why so few people? Like, when there is a clear path to becoming a millionaire, why so few people take it, you know? And you know, and you see now what I teach today is I teach the two conversations. The one is, you know, work your ass off, get a, you know, go to school, get a job and uh, hope, you know, hope it all works out and you live happily ever after, park your money in a financial institute. And, you know, I call it park and pray. Yeah. And I think most people live their financial life in a park and pray model. I'm going to park my money and pray something's going to happen. I'll be really pissed off and I'm going to blame everybody when it doesn't work. And that just, that's still a thriving energy in our money conversation. So I've spent most of my life, you know, finding out, just like you've studied entrepreneurs, I've studied millionaire families. Like, how do they do it? And there is a formula. There is a system. It's not difficult. It's very different than how we grew up. So you can imagine growing up in that and then getting, you know, all inspired and excited in my 20s, going home to my, you know, my mom and dad at that time and my brothers and say, hey, we all can get rich. This is how we're going to do it. And then laughing, going, you're crazy. So is that what you did? So you started studying this stuff and oh God, are, are you, oh, I mean, yeah. are you like 20 at this point or 
2021, and I was in every seminar possible on the planet. Um, and I that's what I meant. This. I want you to imagine this. I mean, I remember like I went to work at the, in the mortgage <laughs> industry at 18 and I'm going to my parents at 19, right? 19, 20 saying, Hey, I know about credit and money and let me do your, your loan. And, and they're like, yeah, you were just, you know, that kid getting in trouble working at Sizzler Steakhouse a year and a half ago. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah but now I know all this stuff. So uh -huh. if you're older, whatever older is for you, remember that age is a number. It doesn't matter. Like you can have insight and learning and teaching from anyone from any age above you or below you. It doesn't really matter. But imagine your 20 year old Laurel goes back to the farm and says, Hey, farmer, dad, let's know, yeah, let's not get mad when the weather doesn't come in and the, and the cattle, you know, don't get sold and everything else. So their reaction was what? Just like, go back to you. We already know you're crazy. Now you're crazier. So yeah, could you go, <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, could you like get to school and get that job that you're supposed to be getting? And, you know, we had to pay our own way through school. Um, I mean, they helped a little bit as much as they could, but, you know, I exited high, uh, college um, with a pretty big student loan debt. And, but during that time, I remember all my friends that did have to pay their way through school. And then of course, there's a whole bunch of people who didn't because their families were, you know, just wealthier, planned differently, whatever they did. But I remember um, thinking, I'm getting a job. Like, you got to be, I, I just, I looked at that whole thing. And I think even, like I said, growing up as a young girl, like seven years old, you know, that's my metaphor of the big table, right? My, my mastermind and mentoring program is called the big table. And it comes from that growing up, always questioning, like stupid, silly things. Like, why do you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Actually, in the farm, they don't call it that, call it breakfast, dinner, and supper. Um, right. right? I mean, that's kind of the whole Midwestern, like, farm thing. And if you're hungry, eat. And if you're not, why, like, and having to, like, sit in the yuck, you're going to eat all your food. Just these weird rules. And I, I always remember challenging them. I drove my parents crazy. I was totally the naughty one in the family. Um, my mom swears if she, you know, could raise me, she could do anything. Um, cause I was just a little rebel. Um, I got great grades, was a great athlete. So it wasn't like that kind of trouble, like drugs and drinking or any of that. Um, but I would just always challenge. I was always challenging the norm. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, you know, why everybody lives by these rules and how, how most families adopt rules from other generations and nobody questions it. And you're like, you know, told you're like I was a rebel when you question it. Just do, just do like everybody else says. Well, I don't want to do what everybody else says. I think it's ridiculous. Well, so it's every, I think it's also what's made me. Too. You know, it's every kind of rule. It's the rules of sit and eat your supper and finish your peas even if you're not hungry. And, and I, like I never thought about that, but that's so crazy. But it's the little rules like that. But then it's also going to be the rules about how easy is it to get money? What are you supposed to do yep. to earn money? When you went to school, did you know, did you have a plan of like, hey, I'm going to go to school because I'm supposed to, or was it, I'm going to go to school because I guess I'm going to be a blank? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with it, or did you just go, <laughs> that was the next step? Um, no, it was actually a big, uh, it was a choice to go. Um, I wanted to play basketball. I also played a French horn for 14 years, so I had a lot of scholarships. I could have gone music. Um, I played five instruments. I mean, I was very musically inclined. I had great grades, and I was an athlete. So I pretty much kind of picked my path. I had scholarships in all directions. Wow. Um, the opposite of me. And That's I knew. Awesome. I should have gone to school. <laughs> no, no. Nobody knows school. that part either. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what, are your five, what are your five instruments, real quick? Well, French horn was my core. I started with piano and guitar, but those kind of dropped off as I got older. And then uh, I wanted to be in marching band, and French horn was kind of a hard one. So I picked up the drums 
And then every once in a while, I would substitute into a baritone or a trumpet. Wow. So kind of easy transitions from the French horn. So yeah, I could have gone to school on any of those courses. So to me, I think though, like, you know, when we were, I was interviewing you about your book, I think my drive was just to leave and find a new life. And then the big trajectory. So what I was going to do, I was going to be a lawyer because I loved arguing and debate and, you know, that's (laughs) what I did. I can't see that. What are you even talking about? (laughs) I I know. I mean, that's kind of what I did and what I do. So um, I was a lawyer, but then when I met, you know, Dennis Waitley and I got Think and Grow Rich and really started studying money. Then I got a business degree, business with a specialty in finance, and that was it. So then, but, but back then to the job, the like I still had to pay. I yeah. So I did the swim, the swimming thing, but I also was, uh, would go to the gym all the time, and I became a personal trainer. That was pretty easy to pick up. I'm like looking at these people, you know, at those gyms, going like, "What are you doing? Like mm-hmm. you're just like hanging out, working out with somebody." And they're like, "Yeah, it's called a personal trainer." You know, I grew up on a farm. Like you had to know. Like I've never seen a color person. We didn't travel. I mean, our travel and vacations were usually RVs or, you know, camping or something very, you know, simple, maybe to South Dakota or to Kansas City or something. like, we never traveled. I think I was 16 before I was my first airplane. So, wow. like, again, that whole thing was odd. Like, so going to, going to school was just, you know, different. So noticing people had jobs, it was like, oh, I'm not going to get a job. So I started personal training. And then, in, you know, and I remember asking somebody, like, how much do you pay for this? And the kind of the, the wimpier ones were making 25 and most of them were making 40 an hour. I thought, I'm going to do this. So I didn't know anything about certifications. I just knew how to work out and I was in great shape. So I just started charging people. Um, so I just made it up. And then, and then I got Say that again. aerobics. And- Say that again. That's the entrepreneur mantra. I didn't have any certifications. So what'd you do? I just made it up. I just thought, well, I don't even know. I didn't know much about that. You had to have one. And then, you know, and then finally somebody asked me that they were going to hire me if I was certified. I'm like, certified. They're like, um, what kind of certifications are you looking for? You know, it's me and my just make it up. And um, they, you know, basically told me and I went and found it and got certified. So then I was. So, but I think that's, you know, I just, I've always been that entrepreneur. I just make it up. I mean, you know, if, if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out or somebody will figure it out and we'll make it up. Um, and then I started doing aerobics classes. So, and I had a massive following, massive, massive following. I mean, there was, I remember during my junior, senior years, I was booked out to do, I booked hours, um, which is when I really kind of started a company around 20. Um, I was booked out 30, 40 hours a week. And I personally was teaching 16 hours. Um, so I was in wicked, amazing shape. Um, so, so I, I, you're, you're working out like crazy. You're in awesome shape. You're starting to make some good money. I'm assuming because you're working so much and you're charging personal trainer hours. What was the moment yep. that you decided something's got to give? Cause th- at this point, no matter how well you're doing, you're still, you're just figuring out the, the system for trading hours for money. And I know that you're not a proponent of that, but yet you're crushing it. I mean, you're, you're right. You're out there really making it happen. What, well, and I, what was the next well, step? And, well, you have to remember, like 30, I was only teaching half. So I went to my basketball Padres, right? And the folks that I knew that were also in good shape. And they're like, you, you want me to take your hours? I said, yeah, I can't do all of them myself. So again, made it up, overpaid them way too much in the beginning. But I figured that went out pretty quick that if I got the jobs, they do not get paid what I get paid. And I'm not just trading, you know, I'm going to be a marketer for them. So I figured out that whole business, you know, uh, of delegation. I figured out pretty early. And then I did it all the way through um, schooling. So I also went and got my first mentor around, you know, 17, 18. And he was a bank president. So I thought, well, where am I going to learn in little town, Nebraska? Where and who, you know, how millionaires are made? 
well, the money's put in a bank, so I'm going to go work at a bank. It's sort of logical, obvious, right? So I went and I got a job at a bank um, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. And they wanted me to do teller and all this other job. I said, no, I want the investment department. I want to know where people invest their money. Rich people put their money in this bank. Where the hell does it go? And what do they, what do they invest in? I want to learn so, it. I want to learn it. And so I hung out there for a while and then just was like, oh, God, this whole job thing still just can't do it. So I did what everybody else does when they don't want to get a job. I went back to school. So this time, though, I went into my passion <laughs> and I got a master's degree in exercise physiology because that's what I was doing. And so then I figured out the science of, you know, exercise and the science of your body and biochemistry and all of that. I remember like a bunch of us grad students, we would be, we would, we would do all the sort of blood testing on each other and cardiovascular testing. So we'd hook up EKGs and then we'd drink just to see what alcohol would do to your blood levels and to your heart rate. I mean, we did the stupidest shit in school. You're such <laughs> a scientist. We had fun. You're such a scientist. Oh my God. We, I know. I mean, the really important things like that. So, um, <laughs> and then during that, uh, again, just the whole normalcy, the whole normalcy of how people just move into life and live nine to five and don't ask questions. It drives me crazy. Like I decided I've never lived like that. It doesn't occur to me to live like that. And I was going to say, so the, the metaphor of the big table, you know, comes from the growing up of that big farm family. Like there's tons of Langmires. If you go to the Midwest and you meet a Langmire, we are all related. There's not like the Smith's family where they all have a different lineage. We are all related. Like there's only one of us and there's a lot of us. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds to get a family reunion. So we'd have to go to a hall. And I remember the, you know, little kids were at the, the little tables and the adults were at the big table. Right. And I, at seven, I sat by my aunt and just join the big table. And that's, I've used it as a metaphor to explain this kind of level of energy and thinking and what I do. Because I just, I think everyone has to choose to sit at the big table in their life. You will always sit at the little table, which to me, the little table is just, get, you know, just getting along to go along to, you know, not living on purpose, not living with a passion, not choosing your life, not designing your life. And I think there's way too many people. Well, and it's why they don't become millionaires. They don't really get it. So you really got a shift. I mean, that whole shift really happened, um, you know, through my 20s. Um, I kind of did the slow route, but I also spent a lot of money. I was making a lot of money. So, like, during my grad program, again, that whole normalcy was like, ugh. And, you know, everybody else was going on for a doctorate, and I thought, a doctorate? Like, more years of this? Or in writing? Like, writing a paper, which is funny now that I'm a five-time New York Times bestseller. Um, why would I that write? That whole thing of a doctorate. Oh, why would I write? That, that whole thing was not going to happen. So I jumped into, uh, uh, Ken Cooper was just coming out with all his aerobic books. He coined the, the phrase aerobic and I was deep into it. And he had a new clinic in, in Dallas, Texas, and I was pretty much done, but I couldn't graduate for the next four to six months. So again, got in my little car and I moved to Dallas, Texas. And I walked in there and I said, I want an internship. I'm in my, you know, final year of my master's program. And I want to know, I want to work here. And they said, well, we only do free internships. I said, well, I don't care. I'll work. I just want to work for you. I want you on my resume. So I worked for free. And then I worked again, went to the gym, <laughs> did personal training, do what I know how to do. Um, did picked up much punch personal training hours. And then I worked at their sports uh, center, their sports store. And then finally within four weeks, they gave me a paid internship. So then I just worked there for five, six months and learned everything. And I learned about corporate wellness. So this was in 
the late 80s and I learned about, oh my gosh, you can actually, I could take my business skills and I could do statistical analysis on how unhealthy employees are costing corporate America a lot of money. And I wrote a book about it with, with the guys from the Cooper Institute. And um, it's just the funniest thing. We're going to have to play, replay this interview because this is stuff I don't ever talk about. Well, I didn't um, realize you wrote a book on, on corporate wellness too with partners. That's interesting. I oh, thought, yeah. yeah. With just... McGraw-Hill, which is the funniest thing. Yeah, we wrote a book, uh, one of the professors and I, and uh, we used Hunt Oil Company as one of – that's one of their contracts. And I thought, well, they're just bigger than me, but I got their name on a resume. And if I can put their professors on my resume, I'm going back to Nebraska and I'm going to open up corporate wellness centers. So if I can do personal training, a corporation is just another client. So I went it's back one, to the bank. One client, one client, one sale, but many, many more dollars. Way more dollars. So I, they helped me uh, out. Obviously, I had a business you know, background, so I knew how to write you know, better plans than people with the exercise degrees. And I just used those two degrees to my advantage. And I went back to the bank that offered me, and I just said, you know, I've been gone. And this is who I've become. And this, I want to, you have a whole open area of the basement and I need $15,000 and I'm going to build you a very simple fitness center. And we're going to start classes, back injury, nutrition, smoking cessation. And uh, he gave me 20,000 and voila, my first gym was built. And then I did it again and again and again and again. And finally, when I was 24, 24, 25 in that era, then Chevron hired me to move to New Orleans, got my little car again and <laughs> left. And uh, I was hired to, as a contract, multi-million dollar contract. So that's when I really made money. And uh, I was hired to design 272 fitness centers on offshore oil rigs. So I flew around on helicopters and seaplanes for the next 272 fitness centers mm -hmm. on offshore oil rigs. That is a contract. How long was that supposed to go? And how long did three it? Years. Three years. It went for three years. Multi-million contract. Okay. Here's <laughs> it's a what funny I want, story, here, isn't it? Well, here, here's what I want to find out because this is something that this is what gets glossed over. So you're hustling and you're working, right? You you put so you put a fitness center in the basement of a bank, basically. A bank. Right. A bank. And then you start yeah. doing that more and more, and it was like, and the companies are going, yeah, that makes sense. How did the opportunity for Chevron come? Because there's a lot of people listening, thinking, you know what? If if a big company found you know said hey company. i'll pay you millions of dollars right they're multi-billion dollar well, I, I had a million dollar budget i so i should probably qualify i had a multi-million dollar budget and, and how profitable i could make it also was in the bonus of how much i could retain right mm. so that's the part i didn't know how to do very well um but i figured it out i mean again the, the way i figure stuff out is i find people who actually know what the hell they're doing um so you know i wrote the books that you know yes energy it's not, you know, say yes and figure it out yourself, but say yes and figure out who, who, know, who already knows how to do this. Because, you know, so when I got the contract, and which then had to become employed. So during that time period, because I was a contractor, they said, well, you got to pay for your own helicopter insurance. And I saw probably within the first two years, I have to go back and actually, you know, look at that exact, but somewhere in that first early, early side of it, maybe even the first year and a half, I couldn't afford the helicopter insurance because I had to see, I had to insure myself to be flown around on on third party helicopters and seaplanes and I couldn't afford it so I had to become an employee so I had the coverage so I hated that that was like going to prison um, it to be unemployed because now like there was more they could tell me more what to do versus I was pretty free and the way I figured out how to do it is I asked the guy that gave me the the deal um, I said well who else applied for this because clearly. 
I, I have the energy drive and I've gotten a lot of bruises and I'm not scared of doing anything. Like I get why I got the, I got the gig, but clearly somebody else actually knows how to do this because you know, I'm going to have to figure that out. And I said, yeah, some engineering companies. So I went and I partnered on the deal with them. And then I partnered with LSU and I got kids out of their master's program to come intern with me because we had to go from Destin Dome, Florida to uh, Galveston, Texas. I mean, we had a wide range and I need a lot of help. So, you know, from my little days of subbing my aerobics and personal training hours to become then the next level and the next level, the next level, you know, years and years later, that's why it was very easy. You know, there was one point with uh, my company, with the Live Out Loud Fulfillment Company, we had 82 coaches. I mean, I did the same thing, just a different content piece, right, which is money. So I think I learned that by trial and error and a lot of bruises and working my tail off. Um, but how I got the gig with Chevron <clears throat> was Cushman Manufacturing was in Lincoln. It was a big international company, and I got that I got that contract. And then I went to Kawasaki, right, the motorcycle manufacturing plant in the Midwest. That was my first um, So I got some really big gigs as a young, you know, as a youngster by, you know, putting some of the Cooper Clinic docs on my ticket, right? And then when the Chevron thing, I was just always, you know, in the know. I was part of organizations. When I got certified, I stayed very active as members. And I just saw the ad one day and I thought, wouldn't that be a hoot? Like not a chance in hell would a 24, 25 year old, I don't remember exact age, get a, get that gig. Like I was 24, like there was just no way. Plus I didn't even, wouldn't even occur to me that by applying that in, assumed that I was moving to New Orleans. So then all my Nebraska stuff I had to give up. And so I didn't do that as well. If I had to look back knowing what I know now, I should have sold those contracts for way more money. I transitioned them. I made some, but I didn't make what, now knowing what I really had, I you know I could have made way way more money, but it was fine. It was a step to the bigger, the bigger you know opportunity. You know what I think is incredible, Laurel is is and again just kind of you said it under your breath almost. You said you know yeah, and I saw the ad, so I applied. I want to point that out. You didn't sit around and wait and hope that one day Chevron was going to call you or any large company or any notable person. You li- like they put an advertisement saying we want yep. to hire someone to do this for us and you had the the gumption from omaha mm-hmm. or lincoln to say you know what i'm 24 i know how to do gyms i'll apply so take yeah. that as a lesson peeps like just apply just go for it if you see an opportunity ask it's shocking how if you like if you read an article about, you know, some CEO who is struggling with a, a, a feeling or struggling with, with something and, and like you see that, why not send an email and say, hey, I'm a coach. Here's what I do. You never know what's going to happen. And if you yeah. say, like you said in your book, Yes Energy, what I love about that is it's not about saying yes and being an idiot. It's about having a yes energy where you go, hey, not like you always say, how can, not we can't afford it, but how can we afford it? I want to do this thing. How can I make it happen? I want to do that. Who do I need to make this happen? And starting getting in that possibility mode rather than feeling in the stuck mode. So you, you went from obviously doing this in your 20s and, and then you said you duplicated that with Live Out Loud, which is the company you have now and you're doing coaching. So you got up to 82 coaches. I know you shifted the model some. You're running your big table uh, retreats in Lake Tahoe and all over the US. And I've spoken up there quite a few times in Lake Tahoe with you. Phenomenal group of people at the big table it really does feel like you're sitting yeah. at the big table at thanksgiving you know like you're finally sitting around yeah. with uh what are the kinds of people that come to the big table what are they looking for what do they get and and where do you kind of where do you move people through what's the attitude and what's the strategy 
so they want to they want to learn how to get rich. You know, there's a lot of what I call get rich, you know, quick, you know, schemes and, you know, they're and they're very um, like singular focus. So there's a lot of, you know, companies will teach you how to do stock trading or how to do real estate. And even with Rich Dad Poor Dad, so 1996 was my was my next defining moment. So I did that kind of world. Actually, Chevron moved me to San Francisco to headquarters, uh, downtown San Francisco. Boy, was that like a new world. And I, <clears throat> I lived in the city briefly, and then I quickly moved out to, you know, my love in the, the mountains. So I lived, uh, or, you know, more up in the hills. So I live in Sausalito, beautiful place. <clears throat> bike to work, you know, across the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, I had a cool little wow. life out there. Wow. Yeah. And then, but I was just done, you know, it was like I had done it. I was uh, pretty much at the top of, you know, a career ladder at that point. I was invited to speak at conferences on those things all over. Um, we'd published our book. And so I was pretty much a, a leader in that space and I was just done. I was like, you know, there wasn't like a big career trajectory other than doing another big contract. Well, how much more big, you know, can you get? I mean, Chevron, <clears throat> excuse me, Chevron took over Texaco or did a merger. And I told Chevron, you know, I'm done. And they're like, no, your knowledge is just too valuable because of your, you know, my business degree. So I said, well, then send me to school to be an executive level coach. You know, again, coaching was just sitting. So I was in the first membership of the first ICF, first international coach federation. I was in the first, you know, membership and around those boards. I got a master level from the Coaches Training Institute from of Henry, course, you know. Course, yep. So, you know, I went to the best and Chevron paid. And then I came back in doing team building, doing executive level coaching. And then I quit. <clears throat> and they said, well, you can't quit. And I said, well, I just did. And uh, within months, I was hired back as a executive coach. I was even coaching the chairman of the board at the time for 500 to 1,000 an hour. So I did a massive leap out of one thing and straight into another thing. And then during that time, I met Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter, and I saw their game and the book, and I remembered Waitley, and I said, oh, my God, here is my path to really what I want to do. And so I was, you know, I, I taught it all in the wealth or the health world, and then I just transitioned the same systems, and I taught it, and, you know, I teach it in money. So LiveOut is one of many of my companies. I have sales organizations now, the coaching organization. We teach. Um, our new branding is actually coming out very, very shortly. Um, it's called the uh, Integrated Wealth Systems. So the transition will be to that. And what I noticed about, you know, when you said who, who comes to the big table, people who are tired of figuring it out by themselves, um, they are either high income earners at a job. Like I have a lot of air force. I have firefighters. I have cops. I have military. I have, you know, doctors, chiros. I love service-based organizations, know how to monetize them very well. I have insurance people, financial planners who are sick of the traditional financial planning world who see that alternatives are, you know, in many cases, a better way to play. So I, our, our range of people, and they're all over the world, they're in six continents. I've taught this, you know, very deeply in six continents. And I don't just teach. Like what I do that's a little bit different is like I go into the countries and find a managing director and we set up an Australian company. We set up a South African company. We set up an Ireland company. Like we set it up and we run it in country. So then we find those wealth experts for those people. So really, we're a team of people. It's me, it's uh, tax, you know, extraordinary tax strategists, uh, estate lawyers to real, we have real estate experts, we have automatic, you know, stock trading experts, we have alternative, you know, insurance, franchise, you name it. I mean, I, I say, you know, what's what we, we've been doing what Shark Tank's, you know, been doing since way before Shark Tank began. And, and the same thing like now, like when the cannabis, uh, crypto and blockchain industries, you know, merged. I'm like, again, 
I, I didn't, I wasn't part of the dot-com, but and to, to have three new emerging industries in our lifetime at one time versus one, like I'm, I'm in, I'm going to figure it out. So again, I did what I always do. I go find out who's the best of the best. And I found some guys who are running extraordinary operations in Las Vegas and I partnered with them. And we're like in the middle. Craig yeah, I just we integrate. I just go find the best, and I know how to bring you know quite a few people to that conversation. And we bought a bunch of land. We bought it in Hawthorne. We bought in Cathedral City, and we're under development in both of them. One will be an outdoor grow and a greenhouse, and the other will be uh, a seed to sale cultivation manufacturing facility, CBD facilities. Like I just jump in. And so I, you know, I say that's really what I'm up to. Yeah. That's so awesome. This is what you've done all your life, really, is you look at, and this is the skill that you can get is you look at an industry, you look at a place, you look at an opportunity, you say, that makes sense. How can I get in front of this parade? How can I do that and start leading it? Uh Um, We're Laurel Langemeyer, of course, five-time New York Times bestselling author, star of the movie, The Secret, and, uh, and ultimate entrepreneur, like nobody's business has companies all over the world. Laurel, uh, as we come to the twilight of the interview, I know we're coming short on time. And I want to make sure people get a chance to plug in with you. Um, what, wh- where should they find out more about you? How can we, how can we plug in deeper with Laurel Langmeyer? Awesome. Um, so I have a site that's called Just Met Laurel. J-U-S-T-M-E-T-L-O-R-A-L. So spell my name properly. It's justmetlaurel.com. A-L. A-L. So justmetlaurel.com, and it is a site for folks that are just like those listening, where you've just met me and you want to get to know me more. So I have uh, Put More Cash in Your Pocket out there, which is one of my books, uh, and a reading room of that. I have Never Pay Your Kid an Allowance. I pretty much did my life as a single mom, um, married to an awesome Canadian now, but you know I had my kids, uh, especially my son, like I knew I'd be a single mom going into it. So I have awesome programs. Actually, he's in one of the audios. And then I actually have a ticket to come out and see me at a live workshop. And if you can't come live, uh, we live stream those shows. So you can always just plug in um, and just, you know, take advantage of the opportunity. Just come meet us. You know, I say just met Laurel. And if uh, really learning money is interesting to you, that's what we teach is how do you understand money and the bumps and bruises that come with it. You know, I talked about all the good stuff, but I can tell you there's uh, my Yes Energy book probably talks about the tough stuff. I mean, there's, you know, just like you had your, you know, one year of being a millionaire and then losing it. Um, I didn't lose mine, but boy, I've had bruises. <laughs> Lots of bruises uh, living this way and just continuing to forge, you know, forge ahead. It's amazing. So, so if you head over to justmetlaurel.com, this is really cool what you did here too, is there's a little video. Um, and then when you sign up for the free gifts, there's stacks of free gifts. So everything she just mentioned, whether it's the off Wall Street business assets, understanding it, never pay your kids an allowance, that's exciting. And I've watched your daughter when she's come to our events and how she helps <laughs> and how she works, and it's just phenomenal. And then you have the, oh, you're part of the Leap Foundation too. That's really cool. With Bill Dorfman. I've met Bill. Yeah, we spoke oh, about yeah. together. Yeah, I've uh, send, uh, we've sent many kids through uh, Leap Foundation, my son included. Um, it was, that's an extraordinary program. That's very cool. So that's for, that's for uh, yep. yeah, youth leadership uh, from the UCLA. Uh, Bill Dorfman's a celebrity, I don't know, the smile, the billion dollar smile guy, uh, does celebrity dentistry. And, but it's all about just helping kids, which is really cool. So if you think that the next generation needs to get this earlier than you did, um, you can use that, of course. If you have kids, she's got something for you. Put more cash in your pocket reading program. That's for you. So all that's right there, and you can connect with Laurel. Thanks, for Laurel. Uh, final question as we, as we wrap up. I love ending with this, and I'd love to get your take. If you could change anything that you've been through in your life, what would you change? Or would you decide to leave it all the same? 
<laughs> what would I change? <clears throat> I don't know if I change. Um, <clears throat> hmm. I don't know. You're right. All, all the bumps and bruises make you who you are. So if I, you know, could say I would leave any of it behind, I don't know that I would I'd leave it because I wouldn't be, you know, who I've become. Um, and I can't say I haven't played because I have skied all over the world. And I, I believe that as people earn their money and create a life that they should take, you know, I take my kids with me. I've traveled them all over the world. They've been to six of the seven continents. <clears throat> um, what I mean, would I not, change? It's not sounding like there's a lot of things that change. <laughs> Well, now, now I could say, you know, some teammates. Yeah, I mean, I've had the best of times with great teammates, and I've had some of the worst of times with teammates. But that's just part of the deal and part of the bruises because you can't figure it out all by yourself. So some you win, some you lose. Um, so, yeah. Final answer? I don't know. There, yeah. Uh, what would I change? I would probably hmm, play more. You'd play I'd more. I'd probably play more. Might have to play more. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gents. Laurel Langemeyer (laughs) changed her life. She would just play more. And that's speaking from someone who works a ton. uh, a lot. Laurel, thanks for coming on the show. I sure appreciate your time and energy. Uh, Again, connect with Laurel. You can find her at justmetlaurel.com. And then we have her links for social media throughout the show notes. Uh, So check that out. Uh, Thanks for listening to the show. Also, make sure if you're listening to this through iHeart or Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes, or Podbean, or wherever you're getting this. Make sure you subscribe and you rate and review. Let us know how the show is going. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome weekend. As usual, get out there and crush it and do something great. 